your Locked On Canucks, your daily podcast on the Vancouver Canucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to today's episode of Locked On Canucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and thank you for making Locked On Canucks your first listen of the day. As always, we are free and available on all platforms. My name is Nick Bondi. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Lachlan Irvin. And Lachlan, uh, another game, another preseason loss to the Seattle Kraken. But uh, before the game, I'll give credit to uh, to our friend of the show, Chris Faber. He posted this question on, on Twitter. Uh, what should be the name of the Seattle-Vancouver hockey rivalry? I, I, I suggested Cascadia Conflict. I like that alliteration. But um, what do you think the the name of the rivalry so far one sided rivalry I might add uh, should be? That's a that's a great question. How about like, uh, well maybe it should maybe we need to go in line with like based on you know what the rivalry looks like nowadays. It looks like the movie Waterworld, uh, where it looks all exciting and new, but then it's just a big flop right out of the gate right out of the gate. Uh, it, I, I think Waterworld might be appropriate right now, but I do like Cascadia, a Cascadia conflict has, uh, uh, the whole, um, obviously there's already kind of a history with the Cascadia name in sports between Seattle and Vancouver. If you throw in Portland in there with the soccer, uh, on the soccer side of things, yeah, that's the name that, of the, uh, the support of the uh, Cascadia cup, uh, the, whoever has the most, uh, points between the three teams wins that every year in the MLS, non-official yeah. MLS trophy organized with well, by the supporters, but still just a fun, yeah, it has a history. Yeah, and that's, that's what rival and that's what rivalries are. No, but like, no, you can team like leagues and can, and teams can market them all they want, but really those are, those are fan driven things at the end of the day. That's how you get rivalries between say like Vancouver and Chicago. It's when, by playing a bunch in the playoffs and those two fan bases hating each other. Vancouver and Seattle, I think it's going to, obviously it's going to take a little time uh, for them to really start to like feel that rivalry in the same aspect. But um, yeah, I'm I'm all for that. I'm all for just, uh, I don't know, like the, bat, I don't know, Battle of the Pacific Northwest is boring, but it's like kind of a good, it's a good little mix just because, uh, you know, we don't get, we don't get much of that out here. We haven't had a lot of chances to really, mark that rivalry between vancouver and seattle it's fun at the very least it's fun to see it in person well it's gonna be the very first canucks truly i would say local rival in their history i mean calgary and edmonton are our rivals the whole western canada thing but how long does it take to drive to calgary like 12 hours like and it's not a fun drive in the winter i'll say that uh at least you can go down change and it's a time zone change yeah at least you can go down to seattle in two and a half three hours so we'll get into uh, last night's preseason loss to the Seattle Kraken. Lachlan, being the the Big J journalist that he is, being at the actual Canucks game last night, you were at the game. And uh, we'll end the show with a, with a little discussion of who we think our bounce back and regression candidates are for the Vancouver Canucks this season. But let's get right into last night's preseason game versus the Seattle Kraken, a 4 nothing loss to Seattle for the Vancouver Canucks. And, the Canucks actually outshot them 38-25, I believe the uh, the final tally was at, at the end of the game. So uh, Philip Grubauer, as I like to call him, uh, Philip Poobauer, uh, played pretty well. Uh, yeah, 38, 38 save shutout, uh, pretty pretty damn impressive, I, I would say. The Canucks probably deserved a couple of goals. Uh, my big takeaway from this game, Lachlan, right off the bat is I think Vasily Podkolzin listens to the podcast. I think he uses this pod he uses this podcast for motivation. I was saying 
in our in our segment on yesterday's uh, on yesterday's episode of who we who are biggest disappointments so far in the preseason. And I said Bod Colson, not that he should be sent down. So, again, he he should not be sent down to the AHL. I'm not saying that. It's just relative to the expectations I had for him, he was not having a very good preseason. And he he, sh- he he showed me last night because he was the best player I think for the Vancouver Canucks. Great two. He had he has always shown this this preseason Lachlan the, the two way force that he could be. But last night he combined that with an offensive flair that I think a lot of us expected. He had that great move where he deked the one guy and almost cut back and almost scored against Grubauer. He had that good chance on the power play uh, short side. If he elevates that puck, you know, puts it in the right spot. That's a goal. So. I think Pod Colson, right off the bat, like he's the player that stood out to me for the Vancouver Canucks for for good reasons. Yeah, for sure, he was I think their best forward outside of maybe Bo Horvat a little bit. Of, uh Tanner Pearson was all was also very good. I saw a lot from him. Um, and uh, either you know you mentioned either Pod Colson listens to the podcast or maybe it's Travis Green because uh, Travis Green uh, I believe it t- uh, after talked about how he had sat down and had a chat with Pod Colson. He just he just played game. my clip of me ripping Vasily Pod Colson. That's all. That's yeah, all he did. that was the whole conversation. Was it was just that. Um, and yeah, sure enough, Pod Colson had a lot more jump. He was getting uh, he was making a lot of smart plays, really uh, aggressive in puck battles. Um, there was the one play very early, like a li- I, relatively early on the game where I think uh, Zach McEwen fed him a little bit of a pass in the short along the corner. He took the shot. It went right into Grubauer's chest. That's the kind of stuff that I look at and I'm like, okay, he's starting to improve. Like it still needs some fine tuning because obviously as he gets better, he's going to be able to say pick the corner a little bit more quickly. That was very much a shot just into dead center. But even before that was kind of a shot that he might not have taken because he might not have felt he had the time or the space to do it. And you, you got to remember with with this kind of thing that when we talk about, you know, adapting to the pace of play, it's always, it's not, it's not just about, you know, being faster or uh, more aggressive or something. It's also about literally wire rewiring your brain to play at a faster pace and be able to make quicker decisions. And that's something that comes with just working through and, and uh, getting the, going through the paces basically. And for put it looked like he is already very quickly improving on that. There was the one, um, his one big chance in the second period where he just went hard to the net, deked out Philip Grubauer and just put it by the post. I would have been goal the preseason. If he finished that one. Goal of the yeah, goal of the entire preseason for sure. Had he put that in, that that the crowd would have lost it. Like they were they were noisy. They were pretty noisy. That was the loudest they were the entire night. Was on that play. Uh, it the way it just skirted by the post. It that and again as he gets better, as he gets uh, a little bit more accustomed to the to the NHL game, that's those kind of pucks are going to start going in for him pretty quick. Uh, he looked very either way. He looked pretty darn good. Yeah, and I think the other story of preseason last night was special teams, uh, both the power play and the penalty kill. I thought, oh yeah, once again, he's looking like a great power play quarterback uh, for this team. Whether you want to pair him up with uh, Quinn Hughes on uh, power play one, like we kind of suggested that may be a possibility in the regular season, or you have him run his own power play unit on the second power play unit after Quinn Hughes, right? Like, oh yeah, it looks great on the power play as a power play quarterback, I think. And that, that was solidified last night. Uh, the Canucks obviously didn't score on the power play, but at least he was moving the puck, getting shots through. Exactly exactly what you ask for, for a power play quarterback. Uh, the the uh, Seattle Kraken had seven power plays at, at last night. Seven. 
And yeah. I, I think at least five of them were crossed. I tweeted this out last night. I think this new cross, the refs are obviously trying to get players accustomed to the new cross checking rule, right? They're going to be a lot stricter on cross checks in the regular season, it looks like, and they're prepping them in the preseason. I think Lachlan, that lasts probably a month and a half in the regular season before they go back to, uh, to the old way they call it. Because if you're going to have every game five power plays for cross checking, like that's just ridiculous. Like, no one's going to want to watch that. And I always laugh at how they want to change the the way the games are called and the change kind of how the how the penalties are called in the regular season. Like they, they give these players two weeks to adjust where they've been playing under a certain way for probably the, the whole lives, right? In competitive hockey. It's like, okay, this is how power play, uh, these are how cross checks are being called now. Uh, better get used to it in two weeks. Like you, they need to get, these guys have been playing a certain way under under how cross-checks have been called their entire competitive hockey lives. And you're supposed to get used to it in two weeks. Like, it's it's almost impossible. But you know what? Well, that's kind of not really the point, right? It's more about the, like, because I don't think it's that they expect them to completely get it and completely have it fixed out and ironed but you can't out have you can't weeks. have regular season games with five power plays on each side for cross-checks. This is where, I mean, this, frankly, we could have an hour long discussion on this, on this particular subject, the whole, like how the way that the NHL approach is trying to make rule changes and trying to, um, and implement them to the rep with the referees. Cause a lot of the time, whenever there's like the kind of thing where they're like, oh, it, for one, they always seem to focus on like one particular kind of penalty every year yeah. instead of just trying to, Hey, how about you just call everything? That's a penalty. Normally the thing is that. And the thing that always I think we we miss because every, it feels like every year we have this conversation where people are like, oh, you can't. Well, they're just I can't watch the, a game with this many calls sort of thing. The whole point is more that eventually they're going to adapt. And the farther into the season you get, the less those calls will be made because players have figured it out and they'll stop and they'll stop taking as many of those calls like hockey players. Are, when it comes to hockey, generally speaking, aren't NHLers anyway? Aren't too stupid? Like they kind of know what they're. They kind of know how to play. Yeah, but and a lot they of these, hey, these cross-checking plays that they called last night were just instinct plays. I would say they weren't malicious. It was just like a little cross-check. They would get away with it, and it's going to take time. Obviously, like you said, I agree to get rid of that out of your system. But in the meantime, you're going to have like all these. I don't. I don't want to watch a game like I did last night when the, when one team has seven power plays, even if and it's that, the Canucks. Yeah, and that's and that's why um, it's been so difficult. I think part I think partially is why it's been so difficult to say uh, get the NHL to push to move away from say the game management type style of refereeing that they put in, where oh you call three penalties on one team now you have to call one on the other kind of thing, uh, because they've they're I think they're very and or even just calling every penalty as a penalty sort of thing. I because I think they know that in the early going that. Uh, for a while, a lot of games are going to have an insanely high number of penalties and people are going to complain about it. But at, eventually, at, it's it's one of those you have to bite the bullet because eventually it's like the short term. In the short term, it might suck and it might make for a bad product, but in the long term, it'll make for a better and more a cleaner, faster game that benefits your superstars and makes those and makes it more able to showcase those guys. Mm-hmm. Short-term pain for long-term gain. But yep. uh, the, the Vancouver Canucks had uh, seven opportunities on the penalty kill uh, last night, including a four-minute uh, penalty kill uh, with an early Jason Dickinson uh, double minor for uh, high-sticking. I tweeted this out at the time. Travis Green must be loving all this time on the penalty kill secretly because he has to figure out who 
is going to work on the penalty kill to start the season and who isn't. And I think based on last night, Matthew Highmore is going to make this team based on his penalty killing ability. I thought he was really good on the penalty kill last night. You know, he had a, he had a, he had a couple of kind of half shorthanded chances, I would say, but he was generally pretty good on the, uh, on the penalty kill last night. I think he's going to make this team out of camp solely on his penalty killing ability. Yeah, I think that's I think that's totally fair to say. I think I I I think Highmore definitely that was Highmore's best game of the of the preseason. It wasn't and that's not saying a whole lot, but like it did look better cuz especially on the PK because frankly right now that's kind of what all they really need him for and that's why he's been getting I think more favorable uh time compared to say like a Jonah Gajevich for example is because he kills penalties and he's get and the Canucks are in desperate need of that kind of of those kind of players right now I think the PK definitely needs a lot of work right now uh just from watching it in person and seeing uh kind of just how the Kraken were moving the puck around like at in don't kid yourself. Like the first, the first PK unit was NHL guys fully other than with maybe the exception that you could argue that Justin Dowling maybe isn't, but I think he's making the team for sure. I think he's a lock here uh, as well that you're looking at a first PK uh, last night mo- that mostly made up of Dowling, Highmore, OEL and Tyler Myers. And that's so, and generally that's going to be an NHL group. That's going to be in your unit. I thought it was a little concerning that they were kind of getting the, that how many, shots were making it through to, to Thatcher Demko and having enforcing like a second or a third rebound even. Uh because you know if you're the defense well that's how Donato scored, right? He had shot how... off the chest right to yep. him and he just buried it. Yep, exactly. And that's uh and that's it's always the case of you know if you're the PK defense, your job is to just clear out that second chance. You cannot if the goalie makes the first stop, you clear out the second. And Obviously, that needs that takes time, like that takes a little effort. But the way the Canucks have been going, uh, their PK has been over the last uh, year or so. Uh, I have my concerns, but I think this year they could look a li- at least a little bit better, and they could get a slight improvement over years past. Yeah, and you mentioned you were actually at the game last night, your first game in probably ages, I, I would assume. Uh, we're gonna get right into that, but first, a, a word from our sponsor, Spotify. Spotify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. I love how Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. You can reach customers online and across social networks with ever-growing suite of channel integration and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. Gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. Go to shopify.com slash NHL, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to Shopify dot com slash locked on nhl right now that's shopify.com slash locked on nhl all right fans fantasy hockey season is fast approaching and i'm going to give you the inside track on the absolute best fantasy hockey platform in the industry it's fantrax fantrax free nhl fantasy hockey league manager is the most customizable easy to use and feature rich platform in the industry and you can sign up for free today and as a special offer for locked on canucks fans you'll be entered to win an official nhl signed 
Nathan McKinnon jersey simply by going to fantrax.com slash locked on and signing up today. Fantrax is the most customizable platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty, keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. If you've had leagues on Yahoo or ESPN, you can migrate them over to Fantrax for a better experience. Fantrax commissioner tools allow you to create your fantasy league exactly the way you want. Do you want more player position eligibility? Are you a fan of head-to-head leagues, points, roto, category, best ball? Fantrax has it all. Among the most trusted names in fantasy sports offering hockey, football, basketball, college basketball, college football, golf, soccer, and NASCAR. If there's anything lacking in your current fantasy league manager, Fantrax likely has it. Again, sign up for free today and be entered to win an official NHL-signed Nathan McKinnon jersey by going to Fantrax.com slash locked on and signing up today. That's Fantrax.com slash locked on. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. All right, we are back with Locked On Canucks. Your first listen of the day. Lachlan, you were actually at the game last night. We call you the resident Big J journalist of this podcast for a reason. You were actually at the game last night. Uh, your, I, I said it just a, a few minutes ago. Your first game, I assume, in, in quite a while, right? Yeah, this is my first. This was my first game since I did uh, the Botchford Project night in May. Uh, I did that uh, for the Canucks and Oilers game. Uh, when the few a, people to see the Canucks in person last season. Uh, yeah, that, absolutely wild. I still can't believe that that actually happened. Um, and in front of an empty building, I will be one of the few people who can say I saw Braden Holt be live in a Canuck uniform. Um, I and this was my first game, I guess, technically as like a paying person, uh, since I guess Canucks a common Coyotes. folk, yeah, yeah, as a, yeah, com- yeah, as a common yeah. folk, uh, back in uh, March 20, had to mingle with the riffraff. You must have hated that, yeah. Oh, t- oh, just I mean, r- honestly, I was sitting, I had plenty of room to myself because, uh, actually, because the Canucks COVID have the COVID protocols in place right now where they can only sell up to 50% capacity. I actually went down there not intending to go into the game. I just had actually been going down uh, to work on a, uh, a, basically a school project talking about, you know, hockey in the for in the era of the, the COVID in the COVID era and how that's changed the fan experience, uh, particularly when it comes to how you get into the game. Um, and uh, ended up uh, just going in, ended up finding a ticket for pretty cheap, went in uh, and got a little bit more insight into what they're kind of doing. Uh, with the COVID protocols and what people might be expecting uh, coming into uh, this season. Yeah. So Lachlan, what was it like just entering the building? What was it like inside the building at, at the game? I, I, I assume it must've been pretty, pretty different from what you've been used to as a, as a paying customer in the past. For sure. For, for starters, like um, now, usually normally if, uh, for anyone who's familiar with going to Rogers arena, uh, normally you just like, uh, people just, you just walk up through the stairs, you, they scan your ticket, you go through the, the security booths and you go in. But now, uh, how it's set up is there's actually like, uh, there's usually in front of every gate, there's a, a little, uh, there's an extra area where basically our people are just checking to make sure that you have your, uh, your vet, your vaccine, uh, passport, your, your BC gate health gateway, uh, pass, uh, the, the QR code, they want to see that. And then they also want to see your driver's license to make sure that that matches up. Uh, so you, and then once that, once they've got through that, you just, you walk up the stairs as, and go as normal. Sorry, Lachlan, did they, did they scan the, the vaccine passport? Did they actually no, scan they it? Were ju- no, okay. they were just checking. I, they were just checking to make sure you have it. I don't know if I, I would have to imagine 
that scanning might be involved like during the regular season or sometime because I I was I don't know I thought I also thought that might be a little odd that there wasn't like a scan aspect to it maybe that changes maybe it doesn't I don't I don't fully know exactly like say what the what the province mandate is on it but I'm sure uh I'm sure they're working I'm sure they've been working with the government closely on uh on how that oh, yeah, how this is all going to go down um, and yeah, once you, and right now, like I said, uh, 50% capacity. So the crowd was obviously a lot lighter than usual than you would normally see, especially for, especially for a game, uh, against the, the brand new expansion team that just moved down from that's coming up from three hours down the road. So, uh, you know, I was sitting in a, I was sitting like near in the upper deck, but I had, you know, the room between me and the other, and the person and the nearest person was uh, like five seats. I had no one sitting behind me. There, my the rest of my row was basically just like a couple other people in my section, in the section that I was in, like the chunk that I was in, basically. Uh, and that was, and that was pretty much the whole building. There were some rows and sections that were more full than others, but overall, a very light, a very, a very, uh, a much. You got much more space, much more ample amount of uh, space. Yeah, so were you like the only person sitting in your row? Was that like kind of the deal you were you were you were dealing with there? More or less. I had two people again, there were two people about five seats down from me. So like and you know Rogers Arena, the seats aren't like they're not huge, but they're also not like super cr cr tiny cramped either. So, you know, there was a good chunk of space between me and them. There was uh, about two people I think sitting in the row almost directly in front of me but like a little bit off to my side so there but uh on my to my right there it was like full empty like totally empty on my right side more or less in like the in like the like five rows that i was sitting in there were maybe about like 15 people in th in about three or four rows like it was not a it was not a it, there was there was plenty of uh breathing room so he, the real question lachlan how easy? How much easier was it at fifty percent capacity to go get a beer or to go to the bathroom in between intermissions? Much easier. It is. Uh, All uh, right. I may. It, I may it, start to like this fifty percent capacity rule then. It is. Uh, it's obviously if you're, you know, if you're used to Rogers Arena concourses, it's. Uh, it, it. It's a. It's a small footprint arena. It gets pretty cramped in there. Uh, during the intermissions, usually, it's still like. You know, there's still obviously a good amount of people on those walkways during the intermission and everything, but nothing compared to say like a normal regular season game. Like it was clearly there was clearly a, a much a, a a fairer amount of space. Um, obviously, people are still wearing masks. You're still required to do that unless you're eating or drinking. Um, some people obviously probably not taking were not taking that rule as seriously as others, which is unfortunate. Uh, and you hope to see people come around to that because like, you know, we want to keep going to these games. We don't want to yeah. get it. We don't, we don't want, cause all it takes well, is I, I feel, I feel for the poor, room, like right? stadium attendants, they don't get paid enough to like deal with some like anti-masker or like who, who knew I'm not looking yeah. at, uh, sorry. I, I, I'm assuming these, maybe these people are not anti-maskers. They just forget. People are just forgetful like that. People yeah. just need a refresher, but these stadium attendants do not get paid enough to, to deal with people, not like putting on their masks 24 seven. Right. Yeah, and it's a whole well, it's a whole other like it's basically a whole other set of training that maybe they've yeah. not you know that they haven't had to do before this season. Uh, yeah, having to you know double check with people that they're pulling up the mask when they're not having their popcorn or whatever is really important. Um, and uh, I'm sure they're doing the best that they can. 
And, uh, but, and, you know, obviously, like we said, you know, the health, like, obviously you have to have the health gateway pass to get in. You have to show that you're right now. You only have to show that you're partially vaccinated. Once the regular season starts, it's full. You have to be fully vaccinated to go in. Um, and so at the very least, you know, that people are, who are the only people coming in are fully vaxxed, which is very important, uh, to keeping everybody safe and healthy. Um, and it's going to take some time, but, you know, obviously I think, Personally, some of the, one of the things that I maybe would have had like I guess a gripe with uh, was that I I felt like there wasn't enough signage in the building with, for stuff like hey keep your mask on like I think it's very I think it would be very easy for the Canucks to say you know get Brock Besser downstairs with a photo shoot just for a photo shoot of just him like with the mask on and being like putting posters around the arena of Canucks wearing masks being like hey make sure you put like make sure you're wearing it unless you're eating or drinking like that's the kind of stuff that i would i think you could you they should maybe make a an effort to do uh before the regular season starts uh especially because right now from what uh, what we're hearing uh the canucks are planning to sell tickets at full capacity uh even and then i guess issue refunds later if they don't get the clearance to do so well so, yeah i think that makes sense from the canucks point i can see why they want to sell 100 percent because it, it makes well, sense it in the sense yeah. that hey if everyone has to be double vaxxed why can't we have full capacity right that's probably what they're right. thinking that's probably what they're thinking and but at the very least if they really want to help their cause like the best thing they can do is make like i think more clear signage in the building for stuff like wearing a mask making sure that you leave six feet between you and the other person there's a couple like stamps on the floor like that say hey stand okay. here uh social distance but it but you know it's not visible unless you're walking up to that concession stand or something so that would that would be my one suggestion for the Canucks going forward is try and maybe just make some uh, is try and make uh, improvements to keep the dialogue uh, available and out there for people so that when they're walking around, they're being constantly reminded of the rules and how to make sure that we'll, we all get to watch a full 82 game season this year in person. Yeah, and of course, the the home opener for the Vancouver Canucks is, I believe, October 26th against the Minnesota Wild. So a few weeks for the Vancouver Canucks to plenty of time, plenty of time for the Canucks to uh, to get their act together in terms of uh, signage uh, for masks in Rogers Arena. But uh, we're gonna get right into our bounce back and regression candidates for the Vancouver Canucks in the 2021-22 season. But first, I want to talk to you about Built Bar. Did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors? There is something truly for everyone. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorite faves. If you don't know Built Bar flavors well, you're missing out. They have flavors like coconut, cherry barcia, mint brownie, orange, cookies and cream, strawberry. I'm a, I'm a classic flavor guy myself. I like the classic strawberry. And if you haven't tried all the flavors, guess what? You can get a mix box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. And not only... Our Built Bar flavors, very, very tasty. They're also healthy. 17, 18 grams of protein, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar. They're all amazing flavors. They're all tasty, and they're all very, very healthy. So go to BuiltBarBuilt.com and use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. This episode is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. 
With a new updated site and interface, including more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, hockey, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, so Lachlan, uh, the 2021-22 regular season, fast approaching. And I thought it would be a, a good time to have this discussion. Who do you think will bounce back for the Vancouver Canucks this season? And who might regress a bit? Uh, I'll get started first. Uh, I think my bounce back candidate is Quinn Hughes. It last season was not was a, a step down from his heights of his rookie season when he was looking, you know, like a stud young defenseman that could contend for the uh not the Calder. He, he did contend for the Calder, the Norris, you know, multiple times in the future. Wasn't that great defensively? I think he bounces back uh, this season with an improved Canucks team, and I think my regression candidate is Brock Besser. Not that you know he's gonna have a bad year or anything, but. I think with the improved depth of the Vancouver Canucks, especially in the forward group, he may not be afforded the same amount of opportunities, you know, on the power play and just in general at five on five that he has in the past and especially last season, right? I think, you know, we've talked about it on this show before, the the ability of Travis Green to mix and match the top nine and put different players in different positions. Maybe a guy like Brock Besser uh, gets squeezed a bit and doesn't have the same opportunities on the power play or at five on five because of that improved forward depth. But Lachlan, who is your bounce back and regression candidate for the Vancouver Canucks this upcoming season? Well, I think I think my bounce back is, uh, candidate is pretty clear here. It's Elias Pettersson. Uh, this shout. is a guy who had the look quite simply the worst luck of possibly any NHL forward last season, uh, not only due to the fact that he got injured and missed uh, yeah, he just didn't play. the regular season and didn't play, but even when he was healthy, uh, he hit uh, a an insane number of posts. And that is very much just a, like, and lots of people will tell you that that is very much a, a stat to track in the sense of, like, if you can, it's it's very much a an unluck sort of deal because because sometimes if that, if it hits the post at just a perfect, at the right angle, it's going in versus just a little bit out and it's, it's back into play sort of thing, right? So Pedersen was getting his chances and getting his spots and just kept getting, just coming an inch away from putting that puck in. And maybe he would have had a lot more points last season had it not been for that. As you get, as you start to feel that unluck coming, it snowballs. So I think Pedersen is due for a huge year this season. I think he's going to be much better this time around at at the very least from a point standpoint, it won't look uh, so tough for him this year. And even last year, he wasn't too bad. Like when he played, it was just, seriously just unlucky just complete bad luck yeah. so damn I think it i should have, have said patterson much, so it's a sound smart yeah. like that damn it. a much better damn year it. yeah <laughs> a much better year uh i think this season for him i think he is going to clearly take back his uh his score his uh uh team leading score and points uh this year um it's been a while since he's done that but uh i think he'll i think he'll get back to it this year i guess for regression uh and i picked tanner pearson and that's not because I actually think he's going to get, say, play worse or something like that. I just think that, like you mentioned, the Canucks are a lot deeper 
at forwards this year. So I think his role is just going to be just a little bit reduced. I think he's going to play a little bit less. He's going to be used on a few less, say, power play opportunities, a few less penalty uh, penalty kill opportunities uh, if he played that much at all before. Um, he's just, he's just, he's, while the Canucks overall are going to benefit from a more well-rounded scoring attack, he personally is going to be playing a little bit, I think just a little bit smaller of a role for this team. And I think that's going to factor into say his points coming, dipping back down a little bit. He did very well. I think he'll do very well in that reduced capacity, but it just, it just won't be say he won't have as say as dominant a, nor- a year as he had it in the last couple of years where he was pretty darn good for the Canucks over the last couple of years. Are you sure his best buddy Bo Horvat is going to make sure that he plays power play with him? I mean, have he you doesn't fact- have you factor that into your decision? It's possible. I mean, they don't normally play on the power play together because Horvat's usually PP one and you got Pearson on uh, the second unit. Um, but I, I, it, it is, I think, it, I think, Maybe it's possible, but uh, I think that, no, I think I think you're going to see a lot of cases where, say, Pearson is probably playing on the second power play unit from time to time, but you might see him getting swapped out with, say, a Facili Pod Colson from time to time, or a Connor Garland. There's a lot more options this year for them uh, to pass the puck around, so he just might, uh, he just might not have the same amount of uh, point totals as he normally does. Yeah, and another regression candidate that we didn't mention, uh, JT Miller. Just because, hey, if he's playing third line center, he's obviously going to have a bit less ice time at five on five. He's still going to have the power play ice time for sure, I think. But you know, if if, if this holds up, where JT Miller is going to be starting at center for the Vancouver Canucks, he's playing third line minutes. He's playing with what, like, it, I don't even know who he'd be playing on the third line with in, in that regard. But it Luke won't Colson, be probably. It won't uh, be it won't be Elias Patterson and Brock Besser. I'll say that. So you know what? If JT Miller does start as a third line center, he's not his natural position. If he's playing with players like Vasily Bod Colson, his point totals could be coming down as well. So that's something I think to monitor as well. Yeah, I could I could see that happening. What will be interesting to see is uh, how the Canucks deploy their lineup uh, against Edmonton on uh, on Thursday. Uh, that's going to be, I believe, Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes' first game back in the preseason. Yep. And uh, that, and I'm sure, and JT Miller didn't play in last night's game, so he'll probably play in the Thursday game. I would be, I would honestly be, I would, I would honestly expect him to actually to go back to the wing now, because now that you have Pedersen, now you have, in theory, basically, because we talked about it a little earlier, Justin Dowling, I think, is making uh, this team uh, based on the way that he's been playing. He got power play time last night, and he got PK time. He is getting his opportunities. I yeah, think I think he's going to be the fourth line center of the start of the season. He's fourth line. So that leaves you now. Now you've got a situation where it's Hor- you got you got Pedersen, Horvat, Dickinson, and and Dowling in the fourth. That leaves Miller a little bit. Or, that leaves Miller the room to go back to the wing. So I think overall, unless they want to maybe try something weird where they maybe go with Pedersen on the wing for some reason. It could, they could, they might, they might think about that. But uh, I think for now you might see uh, Miller go back to wing, which honestly would probably be for the best, right? Yeah. And one, one bounce back candidate we didn't mention, I think we should mention now is uh, a player who wasn't on the Vancouver Canucks last season, but could bounce back on the Vancouver Canucks this season. That is OEL, Oliver Ekman Larson. And if you're a Vancouver Canucks fan, you pray to God that he bounces back this season. That's kind of what you're banking on, right? And look, we've talked about, I think we talked about this. You have to bank on, on it. <laughs> on, on, the show, on the show before. Players dog it in certain situations, right? Like it was probably very hard 
to get motivated if you're someone like OEL when you sign a big ticket and then the franchise just goes down the tubes like that, like it did the last, especially last season, right? So, hey, if he's already looked pretty good in the preseason, again, it's just preseason, but I think OEL would is a prime bounce back candidate on the Vancouver Canucks this season because he's playing for a winner, and that, that you have to, I think, factor that at least a bit into your projections for a player. I don't know if you're a bat, are you a basketball fan, Lachlan? I am a very casual basketball okay. fan. I watch no, a little. I, I watch enough. I play the video game, uh, but uh, not big not 2K like guy. I don't know it. I don't know it up and down. Okay. I don't know the lineup and down. I, I don't know. Yeah. So for anyone who's not familiar with basketball or is a basketball fan, you know Blake Griffin on the Detroit Pistons. He dogged it for like a year and a half on the Detroit Pistons. He literally did not attempt a dunk on the Detroit Pistons his entire time there. Lachlan, guess what he does? First game with the Brooklyn Nets, an actual contender, dunks like three times. So players dog players dog it all the time in bad situations like that, like with tanking teams. So I, I can see obviously a different sport, but I can see OEL coming to look, I, I, the Canucks are not a, a bona fide Stanley Cup contender, but they're a playoff contender, and that's more than you can say for the Arizona Coyotes right now. So I can see him being rejuvenated in in a Canucks uniform and in a market that cares about hockey and on a team that has playoff aspirations unlike the Arizona Coyotes right I I agree with you I I will say that personally I am very much a person of like okay you know I understand that sometimes it's very hard to play in bad situations like Arizona but when you're the captain of that team you should be you should be very much you should be but maybe he's not 10 percent you should be uh yeah if you're gonna be a captain you gotta lead by example um but yeah, OEL actually last night I think looked pretty good. I think it was Daniel Wagner who pointed out that he looked like very vintage young OEL at times in that game yesterday. And that was against an NHL lineup more or less that the Kraken iced. So that that bodes well for him. I do really want to see him be able to succeed, especially because of the fact that, look, he's here. He's going to be making a lot of money. So you you better hope he comes and he brings it, right? I think it's possible that he does have a re uh, a resurgence. You you hope that it's possible. You hope that it's not say a case of uh, the injury issues that he's uh, dealt with at times, uh, and that it's just a he can't do it anymore sort of thing. Um, it's it is possible. It is a. I think there is a very good chance that he comes in has a pretty good first year with the Canucks, and uh, we'll see where we go from there. Yeah, I think you know we we mentioned a lot of good bounce back and regression candidates in this segment, but that has it for today's episode of locked on Canucks. And again, thank you for making locked on Canucks your first listen of the day. Don't forget to follow us on all social platforms. You can follow me personally at Nick Bonnie. You can follow Lachlan Irvin at Lachlan McCreese. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. We have full video episodes every day and make sure your second listen of the day is locked on fantasy hockey host, Scott Collin leans on his decades of fantasy hockey insight and experience every day to help you be the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available on all platforms. See you tomorrow.